Hey everybody, this is Heidi St. John. I'm glad you guys have joined me at Off the Bench. My friend, uh, Steve Lambert, the publisher of Five in a Row, and also just an amazing friend. We've been traveling, kicking around the country together for a long, long time, is here with me, and we are going to dive into your questions and answer them together. We're going to have a hoot and holler in good time. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. All right, so I'm glad you guys have joined me and uh, wanted to really quickly before Steve and I jump into this, uh, many of you saw over the weekend that the uh, that a federal judge overturned the ridiculous, unconstitutional, unscientific, un-American, ridiculous mask mandates that we've all been living under now for the last two and a half years on airplanes. Y'all can get on a plane now without your mask, which is really sad in some ways because it's too late for my friend Steve Steve and Jane were just at my house and they had to wear a mask. Steve, welcome back to the show. You missed the deadline, man. You missed the cutoff. I know. Everybody was grumbling on the plane last Thursday. And sure enough, just, you know, you made your phone call to the president and got it all <laughs> lifted and spoke to the judge. And well, I had to wear it last week. So, <laughs> I did. I'm happy for today's passengers. Right, right. I did every. I did everything I could. I'm not sure uh, what, what we ended up doing wrong. But I thought this was cool. I haven't sent you this picture yet, but you know our son-in-law, Ryan. He was actually on a United Airlines flight when that memo came through. And they were just- I saw it on Facebook. He posted a picture of it. Oh, so great. Oh, so great. He said that the the flight attendant just came by and said, hey, just so you know, uh, a federal judge just overturned the mask mandate. And so you don't have to wear your mask. And Ryan was like, what? It's so great. So I'm excited. It'll be good to see uh, airline travel return to some semblance of normal. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. I think people are tired of it. Well, uh, we were really excited to have you guys here last week for doing some really awesome stuff with the nonprofit. And you and I recorded a really cool podcast together. It was awesome. And I promptly lost it. (laughs) I told you that my face would, would not register on the camera, you know, so. Well, I I feel bad because I wish people could see you sitting here in the studio. Now you're back home uh, in Lee's Summit, but it really was good to have you. It's always fun to see you and Jane out here and uh, giving a few empty lives a little meeting. So thanks for coming out. We had a great time, as we always do, Heidi. So I asked you to do something uh, kind of unusual with me, and that was to jump into some of our Mailbox Monday questions. And we were having a really, we were talking about some things that are sort of over now, like we we're talking about Easter, talking about, and yep. now we missed it because uh, the file got corrupted. But I'm, I was thinking about it, and Stephen, I think we should probably just answer them anyway because uh, they're going to be relevant. This is going to come up again. Comes up every single year, Christmas and Easter. Should we do? Should yep. we do the Easter Bunny? Should we talk about Santa Claus? You know all the things. And so, are you up for it? Just jumping right back in, and and we can talk about those same issues. Deja vu. Let's do it again. <laughs> all right. So here we go. Rebecca from Virginia is questioning a decision to keep talking to her kids about the Easter Bunny. She said, Heidi, our kids are six and eight, and I'm not sure how much longer I can keep the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus going. And when the time comes, I don't know how to explain this to them. They understand the reason for the seasons, but what about the part how we kept this made-up story going for all these years and why? I'm doubting why we ever did it. I'm learning so much as a parent and I mean, Steve, you and I have talked about this over the years. That's kind of what parenting is for, right? It's teaching the parents something. We're all learning something through parenting. But what do you say? Because I get this question twice a year. I get it at Easter and Christmas time. And people are like, hey, I did the Easter bunny or I, or we talked about 
Santa Claus. And then you've got the hardcore people that are like, that's the unpardonable, unforgivable sin. Uh, what say you? Well, I say the Holy Spirit's the best teacher and the person that he's most likely to talk to about what your kids should do or not do isn't me. And it isn't Heidi St. John, believe it or not. It's probably you as a parent. So I think you pray about that. You ask for wisdom. It's okay for you to uh, maybe ask your pastor Mm. what he thinks about it. Uh, Lots of great families celebrate those holidays with some of those childhood memories from their own childhood and lots of others. Don't. But the main thing is that your kids know what Easter is about and that they know what Christmas is about. It's the birth of a savior and an empty tomb, the resurrection, the hope for the rest of us. Yeah. That he's overcome death. Yeah, it's that's right. And I think a lot of parents, you know, kind of freak out about it. You know, as you know, my son is in the studio and he's producing the show. And I shouted out at him last time. I do it again. Uh, So we had Santa Claus. You know, we talked about Santa Claus. It wasn't the fixture of of, uh, Christmas by any means at our home. And we did the Easter egg hunt, the end of Easter egg hunt and everything. And I'm just curious, Skylar, you're sitting over there. Were you confused about what Easter was for or Christmas? Nope. Wasn't confused. And, nope. I, and I do think that there, uh, as I've gotten older, certainly, and I've, I've probably gotten a little bit more reflective about it. You know, I look back and go, man, did I, did I, uh, did I screw that up? And really, my kids just look forward to Easter and they look forward to, uh, you know, to what is what we call Resurrection Sunday and obviously to Christmas. But they never were like, well, Christmas is about Santa Claus and uh, and Easter is about the Easter Bunny. No, kids, so, are, kids are remarkably clever like that. They know. And as long as you're telling the truth about what the actual holiday is, I think in 99 percent of the cases, they're able to separate fun family tradition from from the reality of the experience. But whether you did or didn't, you can't go back and beat yourself up now. You know, you bet, did the best you had with what you had at the time when your kids were young. and the Lord's able to redeem that. He's able to work through whether you did or didn't and speak yeah. to your kids about, about the truth. Yeah, I think that's true. And so I always tell parents, you know, cut yourself a little bit of slack. I don't, I don't read anything in the Bible that says that you're sinning by talking about Santa Claus, but we definitely don't want that to be the focus. We want our kids to know exactly what the reason is for the season. And, uh, and I think if you've done a good job of educating him, and teach them about why we why we have those uh, those holy days. They really are holy days. Uh, then your kids are going to understand that going forward, and that's the main thing. You keep the main thing the main thing. And and the heart of her question was, you know, what do we do now? When do we tell them if they're starting to doubt? And the answer is, you'll know when. And if they're starting to question it, now's probably as good a time as any to sit right. down and say, you know what, this is what Easter's really about. We had a great time when you were little growing up because you had so much fun hopping around in the backyard and finding those eggs and so forth. But let's talk about the true meaning of Easter. Yeah. And then I, I had a friend of mine who did uh, their transition from sort of talking to their kids about the Easter bunny to uh, the real meaning of just focusing entirely on a Jesus for Resurrection Sunday. And they used resurrection eggs. And so she came on the show. We talked about resurrection eggs. And wouldn't you know it, I had some angry person saying, I cannot believe that you mix Jesus and Easter eggs. And that's a pagan holiday. And you're going to hell and all the things. And I'm just like, OK, everyone needs to chill out. Uh, I think we can be very, very hard on each other. This is one of those areas that really is, I think, uh, Christians have latitude and there's freedom. And, uh, you know, it's just teaching parents. We definitely want, you know, want to keep the focus where the focus belongs. And I know certainly you guys did that with your kids when you were raising them as well. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, it's true. All right. Next question comes from Jamie in Iowa. She said, Heidi, my son started full-time school this year at a private Christian school with a strong doctrinal statement and biblical-based curriculum. 
I'm so glad we made this decision with all I have learned about the public schools recently. However, my heart is leaning toward homeschooling my son and younger daughter, but my husband is hesitating. The private school is a wonderful option and we can afford it, but uh, how can I discern if homeschooling might be the right choice for our family and can I get my husband on board. This is the this is also a question that we get all the time here at the show. People will say, "Well, I want to do this, but my spouse, whether it's a husband or a wife, isn't sure." Uh, I know what I'm going to say, but I want to see you kind of jump into this one first. What what's oh, your sure. encouragement? Put, put your friend <laughs> in at the deep end first. <laughs> jump in the deep end, Steve. Yeah. No, I think um, I don't know anybody that just jumped into homeschooling without having some struggles and some doubts and having some heavy discussions with their their spouse you know i mean it's a it's a huge decision but if you're sensing the lord pulling your heart in that direction i think that's a pretty good indication that that's what he has in mind for you and the thing that's important you know public education can teach a kid well at least it used to be able to teach a child to multiply and divide and read although not so much anymore christian school can add god to that equation and character development which is important but homeschooling is yet a different equation entirely it's about the family it's about relationship between siblings. It's about working on issues in your marriage. It's about parenting. It's about enjoying the kids that God's given you because you only have them for such a short period of time. Mm. I know it doesn't seem like that uh, when you're in the middle of it, but the years go by so quickly. And um, yeah, so I think the way most wives start that conversation or sometimes husbands, if the wife is hesitant, is to say, all right, theoretically, just suppose we try this for (laughs) one semester or one year. Yep. And no matter how bad I I might mess this up, it's not like they're never going to be able to get into college and they're never going to be able to, uh, you know, get a job. So right. I don't think that I think no harm, no foul to try it. And I think when your heart comes home and your kids come home, you're going to discover an entirely new experience that you've never you've never known before, not in a Christian school or a public school. Yeah, that's right. And I remember when I asked Jay about homeschooling our kids, and I at that point, you know, all he'd ever known me talk about homeschooling was, oh, that's a terrible idea. That just sounds awful. Why would we do that? You know, all the things. But the reality was uh, when I approached him and he had only ever heard me complaining and talking about how weird it was, and part of it, I think he was trying to protect me. Like, Heidi, are you serious right now? You know, uh, what book did you read that's changed your mind? And so we just decided, hey, we're going to try this for a year and see what happens. And honestly, after that, you know, I was hooked and my husband was too. And we knew this is what we wanted to do with our kids. So I often tell, you know, women, especially when you're talking to your husband, first of all, this isn't a thing that's worth burning your marriage down over, right? I mean, if, if, if your husband is adamant about private Christian school, that's a better option by far and away, absolutely, than the public sure. school system. And so uh, stay in tune with your with your husband. And also, you might want to just uh, wade into the water slowly. And chances are pretty good, Steve, I think at least, that once he has, once he gets a taste of it and sees what, how good it is for your family, he's going to come around. Uh, but we don't want to burn our marriages down over it. No. And I love what our, our mutual friend, you and I are both friends with Todd and Debbie Wilson, and Todd says... The emphasis is not on the word school. The emphasis is on the word home. Mm. So homeschool is about your family and about home yeah. more than it's about school. The school part takes care of itself. Oh, my goodness. It's so true. You know, kids come to us and they really are born learners. And colleges are actually looking for homeschooled kids right now. Recruiting. So when people come, yeah, they are recruiting because uh, they know they're not brainwashed for starters. But Jay and I had an opportunity because my husband was a pastor. We had an opportunity to put our kids in a Christian school for free. 
And yeah, and we'd already been homeschooling our kids for a couple of years and this opportunity came up. And at first I was like, yes, I'm going to put my kids in a Christian school. This is the holy grail of education. This will be amazing. But we had benefited so much from having our kids home that we turned down this private uh, Christian school uh, education. And it was one of the best decisions we ever made to just keep them home. It's it's completely worth it because you're right. The paradigm is different. Yeah, it's it's a completely different experience. And when I was on a church staff back in the 80s, when we were homeschooling, uh, the the private Christian school at that church went K through 12 and had hundreds of students and probably two dozen teachers, I'm going to guess. And one of the few benefits that we received as members of the church staff was free tuition for our children. Yep, yep. And none of the teachers and none of the employees and not even the headmaster of the school itself chose to send their kids there. They all chose homeschooling. Yeah. Yeah. It's very telling. And I think particularly now because the world is on its head and a lot of this stuff, even if the school is doing a really great job, a lot of this stuff's coming through the other students that are there. They're, you know, they're interacting with uh, worldviews that are completely inconsistent with scripture. And this is even happening in the Christian school setting. And we see it, unfortunately, we see it all the time. And I'd also, I guess, before we move on to the next question, I, I think it's important for parents Really, really, really understand the heart of this Christian school. They're not all created equal. Not all Christian schools are, you know, they're Christian in name only. And I think a lot of parents are drawn to it because of what's happening in the Christian school. But if you're Christian or in the public schools, but if your Christian school is woke, then you're doing more harm than good because now your kid's being taught this woke, ridiculous ideology in the name of Jesus. And uh, I almost honestly think that's that's worse. I agree. I agree. Yeah, I and mean, we're watching this, absolutely. All right, here's another one from Arizona. This is a mom. This is great for you, Steve. I picked this one just for you. Oh, good. Uh, <laughs> she just needs some encouragement. She said, Heidi, I really enjoy your podcast. I'm currently schooling my four children. This is our second year. We are approaching the high school years, and I need encouragement that I'm not going to screw my kids up. When people hear I'm homeschooling, they look at me like I have a third eye. Friends have voiced their opinions that they would definitely put their kids back in public school for high school to ensure that they get accreditation and graduate with a diploma. This kind of stuff makes me mad. Uh, They tell me if I don't, my kids are going to have a difficult time getting into college. They do not homeschool, nor do they share our beliefs or values. I do not think I would feel at ease dropping my kids off at public school any longer in today's culture. But at the same time, all the discouragement has me constantly in a state of tug of war in my mind. Coming from a mother of seven, please, can you offer some encouragement? I'm going to let you answer that one first, Heidi, and then I'll tag off with you. <laughs> well, you're you're, the one seven children. Right. This is true. Well, my first thought, you know, the buzzword in this question for me was accreditation. So right. when I hear people say accreditation, 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 accreditation is a crock. You know, uh, public schools, the, the SAT is the great equalizer, whether or not your child can hold, uh, hold their own in the in a college environment, if you even choose to send them to college, if they even need to go, which is a whole nother podcast, That's a whole nother can of worms, has literally nothing to do with accreditation. And yet we see sometimes even homeschool organizations, you know, uh, homeschool with us because we'll give you accreditation. Well, what does that say to the mom who's been, you know, homeschooling her kids for decades and she didn't do it with an accredited program and yet her kids have gotten into Harvard, they've gotten into Yale, they've they've become doctors and attorneys and teachers and business owners and they did it without accreditation. It's a lie from the pit that I think discourages people from homeschooling because they think they can't get an accreditation when, uh, you know, because people say, well, your kids are going to be screwed up. The colleges won't want to talk to them. That is 100% false. That was the thing that really got my eye out of this question. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And we live in a suburb of Kansas City, at least I'm in Missouri, and Kansas City public schools 
invested over a billion dollars in hiring all new, the best faculties, tearing down all the old buildings, building all new buildings, putting uh, personal you know, laptops in hands of every student, all kinds of stuff. And they promptly lost their accreditation with the state and were unaccredited for 20 some odd years before they finally got back up to where they were minimally uh, had any accreditation at all. But, you know, the odds of of the schools coming after your child and wanting to recruit them as a D1 athlete is about one in a million, you know, and the odds of them coming after them recruit them because they're, uh, you know, had a 4.6 average GPA and AP classes. Uh, they might. But what we're proving over and over and over is that every college and frankly, every business are looking aggressively to recruit homeschool students because they yep. are socialized, well socialized, as opposed right. to the craziness that happens in a classroom. They have a sense of responsibility. They're eager to learn. They're eager to work. They understand who they are, what their responsibilities are. And those are things that that no amount of, a, quote, accreditation can ever transfer to a student. And so wherever we look, I just talked to somebody the other day and their child during this 15 days to flatten the curve over the last two and a half years, there was a, a restaurant and they couldn't hardly hire anybody. And their 18 year old, or I think 17 year old, uh, hired on and showed up for all of their shifts and did the work. And within like three months, they were promoted to assistant restaurant manager. And by the time they're 19, they're going to be a restaurant manager. And they're hoping by 21 to be a regional manager because they're just willing to show up and they know how to work. They understand responsibility. But I always tell parents, you know, colleges and universities are like replacement window companies or siding salesmen. You know, they're there to sell you a very expensive product and they're quick to help you borrow the money, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars to buy their product. And uh, we're quickly learning today, which you and I have known for a long time, but we're quickly learning today that there's lots of kids that come out of uh, directly out of high school and start earning, you know, 80 to $100,000 a year in one of the trades. And their other friends took $100,000 in debt and graduated at 23 with a degree in gender studies or some goofy thing that they can't even get a job at McDonald's. Right, right. It's so true. And really, these kids, you know, I mean, parents, do yourselves a favor, do your kids a favor and teach them the value of hard work. Teach yeah. them what, you know, have them get up in the morning and make their bed. And you, this, we're trying to give our kids, Jay's always saying, you know, we're not trying to raise children, we're trying to raise adults. And that translates sure. out into the workforce. And then also, and and I know that you, you know, I've had this conversation a lot over the years, But when parents put their kids back in the school system for high school, they are missing out on some of the very best years. People used to tell me, oh, you're going to hate having a high school or you're just going to hate it. You know, and there were moments that I hated it. Right. But for the most part, uh, I loved uh, watching my kids just mature into adulthood. And it's really when you've poured that much time and energy and effort into your kids, man, uh, you know, it's 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 never uh, it's never a waste to keep them home. It's just some of the best things we ever did. I got one more question for you, Steve, which is going to be a great encouragement to a lot of the homeschoolers out there. But before we do, we're going to take a quick ad break and we'll be right back. All right, Steve. So before we uh, we wrap this up today, there's another mom that needs encouragement. And I think it's worth saying uh, homeschool moms do need encouraging. And it is difficult. It's not, you know, but I'll tell you what, I'll take the discouragement and the difficulty of homeschooling any day of the week over the discouragement and difficulty of my child believing that there's 400 genders and that they evolved from an ape and that I'm not the authority in their life. And so I always tell parents, just pick your heart. One of them has a terrible outcome likely, and one of them likely has a good one. And which is why, you know, for years and years, I've been advocating homeschooling. But I'm going to read this to you, Steve. And uh, 
and uh, see see what you have to say about this. This is a mom basically who says that she has uh, she tried to homeschool her kids, but her family's divided, and she finally ended up putting them back in school. And she said, now I can see the problems that are coming from this. One in particular is that social services was called on us because of some of the lies that our teenage daughter is now telling to her school counselor, which, by the way, parents need to understand these counselors are looking for this kind of garbage. So yeah. it's really... Uh, it's not it's not that unusual. I wish that it was, but it's not. She said, I know you're not a counselor, um, but I'm also having issues with my marriage. We've got a child with special needs. He takes up a lot of my time. And uh, she said, I'm also at fault in this thing, but I'm struggling my marriage, struggling with my kids. And you and I talked about this before. Uh, when moms feel burned out and they and they realize, okay, uh, my my husband or my other kids are saying, put put your kids back in school. It's not the panacea that we think it's going to be. So this yep. mom's going, I put my kids back in school and now I feel like uh, I'm in a place where I definitely don't want to be. And there's tension between me and my husband. I say you start with a marriage. Uh, what do you say, Steve? Yeah, absolutely. We've, uh, you know, this, this, the numbers are staggering and overwhelming that when the marriage is in trouble or worse yet, ends in divorce, uh, the, the, the ones who suffer the most are the children. And it's not just during the first few months. It's a lifetime thing. And we know people whose parents went through an ugly divorce when they were five, six, seven, eight years old. And now they're 50, 60, 70 years old. And they still struggle with some issues uh, because of that. So, yeah, marriage takes priority. But it's like you said, you choose your heart. I mean, you, you know, having them home with a special needs child and some tension in the marriage, that's there's a lot to that to deal with. But having them brainwashed and calling social services on you and and uh, learning to disregard your authority and having teachers and administrators and counselors uh, who are there to advocate for the child and against you and your vision and your values and your home and your family and your marriage. Choose your heart, but, you know, nurture the nurture the marriage, work on that first and foremost. But the time the clock is ticking and you don't have too long to make that decision. So, you know, if if the kids are getting what you feared they might get in public schools and you might want to rethink that because the reality is, you know, they're those people who with whom they spend the most time are the ones that help shape their values. And if that's their peers and teachers, um, you know, eight to 10 hours a day, then you can imagine where they're going to end up and, and their worldview. Yeah, it's, it's completely true. And I think parents who are, you know, who are feel burdened, you know, by the responsibility of homeschooling, and it is a lot, it is a lot. But if, but once you come out on the other side, and I'm largely out on the other side, and Steve, you graduated, you're, you've got grandkids now that are graduating from homeschooling. Uh, yeah. The benefit of the relationships return on investment is so much more great than I think uh, most people could ever even fathom, and it's worth it. There's nothing that's worth doing in this life that's easy. I had a really rough day, as you know, a couple of days ago with a campaign. There's a, a person stalking stalking me, and some guy showed up at my front door and all kinds of you know weirdness going on. And I called a pastor friend of mine and said, you know, I'm, I'm frustrated. He's like, what did you think was going to happen? Did you think this is going to be easy? Put on your big girl pants and get back in the fight. You know, and I often want to say, and I needed to hear that because I, you know, there's a part of me was just like, you know, well, well, this is so hard. I'm trying to do the right thing. And all the things like the moms always say, I'm such a good mom and they don't ever care about me and they don't love me and they don't appreciate me. Yeah, right. you're right. You're right. They don't yeah. appreciate you, but one day they will. And we're not doing this. I mean, it's, it's really an act of obedience. Homeschooling is an act of obedience. And I think God pours his blessing out when we don't give up. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know. Persevering to the end, running the race with the intention of actually winning it. Those are the things that, that matter in the kingdom. And 
when you get to the end of your life, you know, your child is not going to be sitting by your deathbed uh, while you're in hospice saying, you know, I just want to thank you, Mama, so much for sending me where I could really learn the Pythagorean theory and I could right. learn to divide fractions because that just set me on a course for no. They're going to look back and say, Mom, I loved the, the times we went to the park. We journaled together. You read books to us. You did science experiments in the kitchen that time. It all blew up and spilled all over the countertop, and you were crying, and I had to clean it all up. Those are the things that they're going to remember. Those are the things that matter. And uh, this life is short. Yeah, and it is. So the price that you pay now returns enormous dividends for the next 50 years. We have so many of our friends who poo-pooed homeschool and thought it was you know, a waste of time or foolishness and so many of them spend their latter years in life mourning and grieving over their children and their grandchildren because they're on their third divorce or in prison or you know and that's not always true I'm don't I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen if you don't homeschool your children but the time you invest now pays dividends and taking the, the quick and easy route now may be a long drawn out haul through watching your children struggle through life so yeah and you can do early. it yeah. And you guys, you can do it. You know, you can do it. It's just, it's like, you know, when we encourage our kids, you know, get your way all the way through that chemistry program. We're not going to give you the shortcut. We're not going to say you don't have to do it. And then when they're done, they're proud of themselves because they, they stayed in there yeah. and uh, they've got that sense of accomplishment. And I think the same thing is true when you graduate your first child from homeschool and you realize, oh my goodness, I, there were so many days I think I didn't think I could do it. And yes, yeah. yes, yes. I, so, did I did it. I did it. I did it. Uh, and I just think it's wonderful. Steve, Lambert, you are a treasure to homeschool parents everywhere. You guys, obviously, the publishers of Five in a Row. Where can people find you online for this wonderful literature-based curriculum? Fiveinarow.com, all spelled out one word, F-I-V-E-I-N-A-R-O-W.com. It's always fun to be on your show, Heidi, and thank you for all the encouragement you do investing in the lives of homeschoolers, not only in Southwest Washington, but around the world. You're welcome. Thanks for coming on the show, my friend. We'll be in touch. Bye. If you guys want more information on Steve Lambert and on Five in a Row, I'm going to encourage you and we'll link back to in the show notes today. Just a short time ago, Steve and I did another recording called uh, Does Your Homeschool Need CPR? Children Prefer Reading. And it's a wonderful, wonderful show about the importance of reading to your children. You guys are going to love it. I will link back to that in the show notes today, as well as linking back to Five in a Row. Have a great day, everybody. And I'll see you back here tomorrow at the intersection of faith and culture.